Right. Well, this morning, um, I want to speak about life's greatest aim. Life's greatest aim. And you might look at the first verse and you'll pick it straight away where that's from. It's 1 Corinthians 13. (coughs) Coming hard on the heel of teaching on spiritual gifts, Paul says, "Now and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put away childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Father, we could, uh, we could just stop right there. That's enough. Your word is uh, penetrates our very heart. It speaks into our spirit. We know it's truth. And I pray, Lord, that as we spend just some minutes now just looking a little closer at not trying to add to it, but perhaps, Lord, knowing the ministry of your Spirit and the ministry of your Word, Lord, we'll just 
understand a little better what love really is. And so as we spend this time, Father, I pray that you would put before us the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Love himself. And I ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I don't mind reading peanuts. I don't mind eating them, neither. (laughs) But I don't mind reading peanuts. And uh, there's this one particular uh, cartoon where Lucy, you know, Lucy who explodes uh, with all kinds of anger all of a sudden and she shouts and yells and all those kinds of things. A little bit like Rob. (laughs) Well, she was standing there with her arms folded and this stern expression on her face and Charlie Brown pleads, you know, Lucy, you must be more loving The world really needs love. You have to let yourself love to make this world a better place. And Lucy, as angry as ever, she whirls around and knocks Charlie Brown straight to the ground. And she screams at him, Look, blockhead! The world I love, it's people I can't stand. Well, perhaps... I guess the most abused phrase in the English language is I love you. I say it to my pet dog. (laughs) I love you, yes I do. (laughs) And if you've got a dog, you do the same thing, right? I love you, you lovely little thing you are. I'm not sure what the dog thinks about that. (laughs) And we love so many different... We use that phrase to describe how we feel, emotionally feel about something. You know, I I love a good steak or whatever it might be. Now, in the majority of TV programs um, that we watch, there's just a reflection of society that we live in. And I would have to say that people are just so confused... Um, and they confuse love with sex or with money or with gifts. I don't know what radio station you listen to. You might be a 103 person or you might be a 95.3 and and I kind of go in between them all. But um, Ebony, our daughter, she has Nova. I don't know if you listen to Nova. Well, it it was on the station yesterday and I was driving and not thinking, but then all of a sudden I heard this song. And it was a love song and said something along the lines is, I know all you want to do is have sex with me. And I thought, oh my goodness gracious me, there it is again. There's just no understanding of what it means to truly love a person. Um, and, and so we see it reflected throughout our society. And even though there's all this misunderstanding about love and there's so many abuses committed in the name of love, you and I still know that what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And it's not just 
the word love, we, the world needs the real thing. It needs real love and we need to see love, we need to hear love, we need to feel it and we need to experience it in our lives and we need to know how to pass that love on to others. Now, the shortest version of what we just read there would go something like this, that we need to make love our highest goal. To love God and to love others is the greatest and the most important of all of God's commands. Love is without question the most desirable Christian virtue. And why is that? Why does love have such a prominence in Scripture? And why is it that we need to understand it more and more? Well, let me just give you several points and as quick as I can. Without love, all I say is ineffective. If I speak in the tongues of men and or angels, but I have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Words without love are empty. They're just noise, in other words, Paul's saying. And Paul says, words without love are meaningless. They're unproductive. They're ineffective. And the Christians at Corinth were a, proud, a really proud bunch. They were proud of their spiritual gifts. They were proud of their spiritual eloquence. They were proud of their leaders. And they said, well, we speak in tongues of men and of angels. And God said, really, big deal. Big deal. Stop majoring on the minors and begin to look for something that is of greater value than these. Now, I know and I fall into this category, uh, I'm in danger of falling into this category, is that you elevate spiritual gifts so much so that you lose sight of what should motivate us and move us to use the spiritual gifts, and that's love. If I'm just standing up here this morning speaking to you from a whole lot of notes without loving, first of all, the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and loving you, then truly I'm just a sounding gong, really. My, my words will be meaningless and they will be ineffective and I'm not looking for eloquence to touch your heart, I'm looking for the Holy Spirit to touch your heart. That he might take his word and just begin to deposit that into our hearts that we might be changed and be made more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the people at Corinth, very proud of who they were and how God had so richly blessed them with spiritual gifts, but they'd missed the whole point. They were arguing over their spiritual gifts. One was saying, I've got a better gift than you. And so Paul's saying, no, you've missed the whole thing. Am I devaluing spiritual gifts here? No, not at all. Because I believe that every congregation, every church fellowship has all the gifts that will reveal Jesus Christ. 
firstly in the midst and then out into the community. Every congregation, that means you, every gift to show the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is in this fellowship. All we need to do is use them. Those who are encouragers, encourage. Those who serve, serve. Those who are leaders, lead. Those who give, give. Those who are compassionate, show mercy. And as we give, uh, use those gifts, the expression of Christ is revealed in us. How different uh, we respond to loving words as well. Loving words come from, uh, I think, uh, encouragement. We want to use words that encourage and build up a person. In fact, Ephesians 4 and verse 29, God says, don't use foul or abusive language, which I'm sure this church does not do. Let everything you say, and this is the part I really want to center on, let everything, everything, everything means everything. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Let everything. So if this, you've got something and I've got something to say that is not going to be good and helpful to somebody else, then you pray like David said, just put a shield over my mouth, Lord. Don't let me say this. If I'm, if, if I'm talking to someone who might be, let's say, well, you know, a work colleague who's a prickly person, hard to get on with, and, and all you've got inside is criticism. Begin to look for that which is good in the person and begin to speak that into the person. And I want to tell you something. They'll begin to change. They will. They'll begin to change. Words that are good and helpful. Encouragement. You know, when I first, uh, when Ron and I first started coming to the church, the very first prayer meeting that we had in the church here, I was sitting with the rest of the people. I really felt, you know what I felt? I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, Graham, encourage the church. Encourage this church. Not that it needed encouragement, but I sensed that that is the one gift that is, that is lacking almost, not just in this church, and I'm not saying you're lacking that, this gift at all, but it's one that has to be teased out more and more because the natural part of me wants to not look, not say that which is good and helpful, but, crit- but to criticize. And so I think, you know, the Lord would say, just speak to one another in such a way that you build one another up and it's helpful and it's good. You see, the love we're talking about here this morning, none of us have. Only Jesus himself. And we need the Holy Spirit to remind us of all these things, you know? How to live, what to say, how to say it. We are to love without, sorry, without love all that I know is incomplete. 
Paul says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, that would do me. I wouldn't mind fathoming that stuff. Mysteries and all knowledge, but have not love, I am nothing. And you can have, as I've said there, you can have so many degrees they call you Dr. Fahrenheit. But without love, you're nothing. Without love, you're nothing. You may think you're something. I may think I'm something, but you're nothing. If you don't use that knowledge and that gift of prophecy with love. Love to the other person. How many times I know that there are people here that that have a prophetic word and how many times have you about to say something and the Lord has said, don't say that. Find another way of saying it. I know it's happened to me because the Lord knows my personality like he knows your personality and I put my foot in my mouth so many times it's foot and mouth disease But the Lord says to me, don't say it that way. Find another way of bringing my word to that person. And you know, don't you, that prophecy is all about building up and encouraging people. It's not, you know, you're going to turn or burn. It's pointing people to Christ as the Saviour. So, without love, all that I know is incomplete You may be a genius, you may be brilliant, and I'm looking out here and I see all these geniuses and all these brilliant people. (laughs) You can know your Bible from cover to cover. You can memorize it, you can quote it just like that. You can maybe quote the whole of the New Testament or Leviticus. Anyone quote Leviticus? No, I didn't think so. And yet God says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Without love, it's nothing. Paul, earlier in that same letter to the Corinthians, he he told them that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Now, here's the point. It's better to have a right heart than it is to have a right head. better to have the right heart than the right head. The world is exploding with so much information and knowledge. It's impossible, isn't it, to keep up with it. Last night I googled knowledge and information. There are 7.1 billion people on this planet. Two billion of us are on the internet. Two billion of us. And if you want to know anything, you just Google it, right? You just Google it. Man, I know so much, it's incredible. (laughs) Not really. But there's so much knowledge out there. And the world, I don't think, is, I don't think it's looking for more knowledge. The world is looking for more love and isn't that the truth because when you and I sit at night and we watch the news and our heart bleeds we don't say 
you know, what they really do need to, to do is get more knowledge about how to be better uh, in combat. You know, that would fix the whole thing. And maybe they need to get better, smarter bombs so they can just destroy a whole town just with one bomb. Or what we need is more knowledge in this field or that field in this area. Now we sit there and we go, this should not be happening. This is hurting me inside. What the world needs is love. People have got to start loving one another, not taking one another's heads off. They need to love one another. And you feel like you want to grab the world by its lapels and shake it and say, start loving. David Brainerd lived in the 1700s and he was a missionary to the American Indians. And he's got a powerful story. It's very moving and profoundly challenging. And he said this, Keep this in the whole context of love. I care not where I go or how I live or what I endure so that I may save souls. When I sleep, I dream of them. When I awake, they are the first on my thoughts. No amount of scholastic attainment or of able and profound exposition of brilliant and stirring eloquence can atone for the absence of a deep, impassioned, sympathetic love for human souls. Now, like you, I've sat in many conferences and sometimes I've sat on the edge of my seat because I sense within the speaker this sympathetic love this impassioned, sympathetic love for others. And it draws me. Whereas others, I've sat there and I'm, I'm looking for the coffee. Put your coffee down now. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for the door. There's something that takes hold of your heart when there's somebody who's impassioned and has this great love for other people. Without love, all that I say is ineffective and all that I know is incomplete. And without love, all whoops, sorry, all that I believe in is insufficient. Paul says, if I have faith that I can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. So it doesn't matter what I believe. If, if I don't have love, then my faith is not a benefit to me nor to you. And there's this misconception that all that is required to be a Christian is to believe certain truths and to hold on to certain truths Somebody says, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, that's enough. And yet you know that James says, even the demons believe and shudder. The question is, do I love God? Do you love God? 
Do you love other people in Jesus' name? And do you know this morning, do you know this morning that God loves you? Christianity is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of love. Galatians 5, Paul said, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Faith through love. So that's why Paul says you can have faith to, to move mountains, but if you don't have love, then it's, it's nothing. It just doesn't work. It doesn't, it's not the kind of faith that pleases God. Hebrews again, 11.6. Faith pleases God. But what kind of faith pleases God? Faith that, that moves mountains? Not necessarily. If it's motivated by love, very much so God is pleased with. Faith is important, but without love it's nothing. Without love, all that I give is insignificant. Paul says again, If I give all I possess to the poor, but have not love, I gain nothing. Everything that I give, that means if I give tithes or offerings, whatever I give, even if I give my life up, sacrifice my very life and if I don't do it in love then I gain nothing we need to be motivated in everything that we do through love and some people they seek to gain reputations prestige get a good name for themselves some people give to gain power to control people. People can give out of a sense of duty. Still others may give out of guilt. Just because you give, just because I give, doesn't mean I'm doing it in love. Giving is a good discipline. But if it's only a discipline, we've missed it. We've missed it. We're to give in love. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I think to myself, in, even just in the giving on a Sunday morning, I need to pause and say, I'm giving this, Lord, because I love you. And I love my brothers and sisters. And I love this community. But I don't do that. I give. And sometimes... It's so flippant, I wonder what the Lord might think of me. So, you can give without loving, easy, easy. But you cannot love without giving. Love is costly. Love is costly. You know, Rob and I... um, fostered for many years and we would talk to people and they would say oh we would love to foster but we couldn't give them back so we used to say what do you mean 
and I say, oh, you know, because we used to foster babies. So, you know, it'd be too hard to give them back. And we would say, yeah, it breaks our heart. Now, how many times Rob and uh, myself and Eb, we would just cry. But love costs. Love costs. You cannot love without giving. It costs when you give. And that's why um, God so loved the world that he gave. It cost. It cost him. For your salvation and for my salvation, it cost. And even today, as I'm speaking, there are many brothers and sisters of ours who will give their lives today. They will give their lives because it costs to follow Christ. It costs to love Him. And it should, church. It should cost us to love Him and to follow Him. He calls for that. If anyone would follow me, let him take up his cross and follow If our Christianity, if your relationship and my relationship with Christ is not costing you something and not costing me something, then something's wrong. It costs. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And how do we give? How do we give even sacrificially? Well, the Bible says you give with a cheerful heart. And a cheerful heart is a heart that's filled with love. It's, it's not hard. It's not harsh. Or you can give with that kind of heart, yes. But there's no cheer in it. There's no gladness in it. There's no joy in it. Don't give. You know, um, and I, I promise I won't do this too often, but a good friend of mine who was who was the... Um, treasurer, secretary of the church that I was in uh, he would often say from the front brothers and sisters this morning if you're going to give and your heart's not in it could you do something for me? please don't give (laughs) for a treasurer to say that (laughs) please don't give You know exactly what he's saying, don't you? Oh, you you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. He's just saying, if our heart's not in it this morning, don't do it. Don't do it. Better off just going home and talking about it with the Lord. And then give. Well, that's just a monetary situation. Life is filled with many scenarios where we're to give and it costs us. Without love, all I achieve is nothing. Now, this is the message, and I don't know what you think about the message, but it kind of gives us a, a different way of looking at the Scripture. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, 
but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So, and I underlined this, no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. I can rack up a list of impressive achievements. I can succeed in all that I put my hand to. I can even sacrifice my life for the greatest cause in the world, even the kingdom of God. But without love, it's of no value. It means nothing. It's wasted effort. Now, the point of these first few verses is that relationships are more important than accomplishments in life. And the older I'm getting, I'm just stamping that one all the way to the bank. Relationships are more important. Relationships are more important. And I can see some people shaking their head this morning because they know that. That's true currency. It's really valuable. That's the stuff that you pursue and want to have more than anything in the world. That's relationships. People that you love and people that love you in return. Better than gold itself. Success without love is empty. Serving God's kingdom purposes without love is fruitless. You know, when I just think about even those words, my mind goes to Paul, 1 Corinthians 3, and he's talking about, you know, you are the church, you are God's building, God's field, and who is Apollos and who is Paul? We're no one, we're servants, you know, we wait on tables and things like this. Um, and then he begins to talk about uh, the, the, the fruit of our of our serving Christ and he says you know there's going to come a day when it's going to go through the fire and that which comes through the fire is going to be pure gold that's going to last but there's a whole lot of a stuff in my life that's going to go through the fire God's eyes fully on it and it's just going to get all burnt up it's going to get all burnt up it'll be fruitless and I can say but <laughs> oh Lord, give me a break! <laughs> didn't I? Didn't I do this? I mean, look, it exhausted me. It, you know, I was almost burnt out doing it. Doesn't that count for anything? And the Lord will say, you know, Graham, I love you heaps. You love you, love you, love you. <laughs> I don't know if you would say it that way, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind. <laughs> um, I love you. I love you. I love you, but. It's fruitless. It was fruitless. You did it because it was just this sense of duty. And you did it with... And it's not good enough. You know, you just didn't give in love. You're getting the point, aren't you? Of course you are. You're not as thick as you look. No, no, that's right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Did you feel built up when I said that? No. <laughs> was it a helpful? No, it wasn't helpful, neither. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, I want to conclude now. Um, I want to talk a little, just for a few minutes on the permanence of love. 
Love knows no limits to its endurance, no end to its trust. Keep, keep Jesus in your mind because we're going to go straight into communion. Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its trust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. Love never fails. Love knows no limit to its endurance. Love is durable, isn't it? Love is robust. It's resilient and it perseveres. Love is fail-proof. And it's eternal. It stays with you. You take love with you, you know. You might go out in your birthday suit, but let me tell you something. You take love with you. Because your spirit lives on. You take love with you. You're not going to take anything else with you. But it's enduring. It's eternal. It stays with you. Every other life principle, standard or virtue is temporary. But love is eternal. Love is eternal. And you could imagine Jesus this morning, couldn't you? Instead of me standing up here and saying, My children, love is eternal. Love, love and love. That's what he'd be saying to us. He wouldn't be saying, you know, be absolutely successful and be this person or be that person and whatever. He'd be just saying that love is eternal. It stays with you. It is robust. It's durable. It's resilient. And it perseveres. And what did uh, Paul end up saying at the end of that wonderful chapter? Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love and the greatest of these is love during the 17th century Oliver Cromwell who was the Lord Protector of England sentenced the soldier to be executed for his crimes and the execution was to take place at the ringing of the evening curfew bell however at the appointed time it didn't ring now upon investigation, it was discovered that the soldier's fiancée had climbed into the belfry and clung on (laughs) to the great clapper of the bell to prevent it from striking. When she was brought before Cromwell to account for her actions, she just broke down. She just wept. Her heart was breaking. And she just showed herself to him. She was a mass of bruises and just bleeding everywhere. And Cromwell's heart was so touched, he said, your lover shall live because of your sacrifice. Curfew will not ring tonight. I want to say this to you, brothers and sisters. There's no curfew bell. If you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, there's no curfew bell over your life. Because Jesus took your punishment and my punishment. He paid the penalty for your sin and my sin. And what does he expect of us this morning as we gather around this table? Only to cling on tightly to him and hold on tightly to him. It was his body that was bruised. He was the one who suffered the wounds. He was the one who sacrificed his life that you and I might live. 
And why did he do that? Out of duty? Because that's what God the Father wanted him to do? No. He did it out of love for you and I. Kind of love that we've been talking about and thinking about this morning. Greater love have no man than this, that he should lay down his life for my friends. Not only does Jesus call you servant, servants this morning with a great deal of love, but here's the kicker. You're his friend. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, that Jesus would call me friend just moves my heart. Greater love. And so, Lord, we thank you for this, uh, this morning. We thank you for the worship that we've had and for being able to look at you, into your word. And We thank you for your great love. And we would confess to you, Lord, that we don't love you as we should. We fail you often and we sin. And yet we thank you, Father, that with you there is always forgiveness. For if we confess our sin, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. And Lord, what can we say? We say, having listened to your word, help us to love you more and to love one another more. Yes, I guess we could say that, Lord, but we know that we can't by ourselves. And so I pray that you would fill us anew and afresh with your dear Holy Spirit and that he would enable us to express your love that dwells and lives within us to one another and to our world. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the life that you have given to us and for your love that fills our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.